So I just want to welcome everyone and those online and those watching by YouTube at a later date or listening by podcast at a later date. It's a great day. Sun's out. Y'all have semi-smiles on your faces, at least those in the room. Hearts are joyful. So it's just a wonderful, wonderful day in the neighborhood, right? Holy Spirit and Father and Son are in union and oneness with each one of us. And so today we just get to consider more of what they're telling us in this season. And it's all good. And I'm getting dosed up real quick. Here's, here's what we're doing today. We're continuing on this trek of vision, imagination, and moving into meditation. And are you still doing the topic you were thinking about for next week? Generally, yes. Okay. With, with a dose of expectation being thrown in next week. Because expectation is key to our walk. Plus um, imagination. But pardon me? It's going to be a blend. Of it's going to be a blend. Perfect. Perfect. So we've been, we started out a few weeks ago talking about how, our, how people perish for lack of revelatory knowledge, prophetic knowledge, inspiration from the Lord, however you want to define that, also known as vision. And vision has many components, but we've been zeroing in on the fact of a thought, a concept, or an object formed by the imagination. So vision spawns imagination. God puts something in your heart, a thought, an image, a desire, something that you just know is from God. And that sparks imagination, because whenever you have a thought, I mean, I can say, I can say, imagine the elephant in the room, and you're going to immediately look and see in your in your imagination an elephant, right? Yeah, especially if it's a green elephant. Okay, you can, you saw that colors. Yeah, and so vision, which I spelled correctly this week. Sparks imagination. God, God puts a vision in us. And we talked last couple of weeks about God's global vision for all of humanity. And then individual images or imaginations for us and visions for us. And so, so let's say, somebody give me a vision that God's put in your heart. Ah, thus my people perish. <laughs> Because we're not in tune to the vision he puts in our heart. A couple of weeks ago, Greg, Greg tapped in one of the visions is the love your neighbor and love, love God, love neighbor, love self. Now, that, that's kind of a generic in one sense, but it's also very specific. Then the question becomes, how do I love myself? How do I love my neighbor? How do I, oh, this would love God, sorry. How do I love God? And then he starts putting inspirations in us. That's what I'm going to use the term inspiration, an inspiring thought, aspiring song, an inspiring verse, an inspiring encounter with someone else. And all of a sudden, things unfold about, hey, I can do this. And then, God, how can I love you? How can I love myself? I mean, for most of us, 
And if you didn't have this happen in your life, that's okay. It, but but many of us have been browbeat from early age that we're no good. We're no good. We're no good. We're no good, baby. We're no good. You know, you write songs about it. Thank you, Brenda. Ronstadt, <laughs> I mean, Ronstadt, yeah. <laughs> See, and that's that's been the images we've grown up with then, because that vision of being told you're no good created imaginations that set you up for failure. Because imagination can go negative, it can go positive. What's one? What's one way? Give me an example of imagination that went negative. Want a big one? I'll take whatever. Hitler's desire for nationality. Sure. Germany. Sure. You got the Nazi Germany vision in the mid 1940s or 19, well, 30s and 40s. Yeah. For nationality. And, and their whole vision was. They were superior and everybody else was inferior. And because of that, it was okay to murder millions and millions of people. Six or six million plus Jews. And then they did they murdered Poles, they murdered Czechs, they murdered uh, Soviets, they murdered. I mean, if you if they thought you were inferior, it was okay. And there was no conscious revelation of it being wrong. That's how bad that vision went. That vision turned into an imagination that ultimately led to, I'm just going to put the gas chamber. Mass, mass murder. And scripture, when you study the word imagination in scripture, there are many scriptures that point out the negative context of imagination. You, if you want a, you want a more local, relevant kind of thing, road rage. Someone cuts you off, and in a second, you go to, I'm going to get even. And you start figuring out how you're going to do that in that minute of road rage. And people die because of that. It goes negative. But it also goes positive. Give me, a, give me an example of a positive. When a vision sparks a positive moment, a positive imagination, a positive thought. Leading someone to Christ. Leading someone to Christ. How about awakening someone to Christ? I'm just in that phase where leading is just reminds me of my old roots, and I won't go there. Carol. Automobiles. Automobiles. Well, let's let's put automobiles. Explain. What? Explain. Well, someone had the vision to um, create an automobile. Yeah. Someone had an inspiration to provide for a means of transportation that allowed you to go further than you could with a horse and buggy. And a lot cleaner than you could with a horse and buggy. <laughs> and, and faster. 
Pardon me? Faster. And faster. And so automobiles. There were, and if you really want to have fun, I thought it was fun. Go to Hulu and check out cars that made America, cars that made Europe, and how these things came about. And I will tell you, even in the midst of that being a good thing, it was cutthroat. Because there were some people that want, they didn't like how it was developing, so they took their their vision, their imagination, and it got really competitively cutthroat. So even something that starts out good can end up with some other things. But for you and I, it's changed our lives. I mean, come on, remember when you were 16 and you got the keys to the family car or got your own car? There was a freedom in that. So that's one, you know, that's a, a thing about imagination. It can go positive, but it can also go negative. And the reason it can go negative is because we take our eye off of Jesus. We take our eye off the relationship. We take the eye, our eye off about how good we are and how he provides for all of our needs. And when I take my eye off that, then, then that comp competition thing comes up. And I gotta, I gotta get for myself. I gotta get for myself. I gotta, and and a lot of people who lived through the depression in the 1920s or well, 29 through 41, a lot of the people in the United States who lived through that depression, they became hoarders. Where the the vision was, I have to have it, but I know people. If you had to have one, you had to have ten. And he went and if he, when they died, he went and looked in their house and they had that, or just about everything. So, so negative trauma experiences can also deflect our vision away from the wholeness and the goodness that God has for us that we're supposed to co-create with and move it into sometimes survival mode, sometimes into um, I'm going to prove myself to you. And it doesn't matter who I grind up in the process. So, so we always have to keep in mind that vision and imagination, God intended vision for good, for positive change, positive influence, and then imagination for positive good, positive influence. But the imaginations of the hearts of men, Scripture talks about at times go evil or wicked or negative. Meaning they're not faith, they're not based in God, they're not based on his love, they're not based on his grace and mercy and compassion towards us and others. They're they're based on our own desires in that now moment. What are we gonna do? And those desires don't always line up with God. But when I have imagination and desires, God puts a desire, He puts a desire, and then I start thinking about it. I'm going to put this desire in action. I start seeing, God, what does that look like? I ask questions. God, what does that look like? What does that feel like? And Malcolm Smith, I told you last week, I'd gone back and looked at Malcolm's 331, 332, 333, and how when you take 
what God has given you as a thought, a desire, and you begin to frame it in a concept of a picture, in a concept of a reality in your imagination, which takes place somewhere inside of you, and no one's ever yet been able to pinpoint exactly where imagination processes from. And when you begin to do that and you begin to feel the the awesomeness and the, the positive influence or, or feelings with that, how, how down the road in the timing of whatever timing it takes, things begin to manifest. And one of the ways to accelerate that process is meditation, which we'll talk about in a minute. But if you remember, looking back at uh, the definition of, of imagination, Webster says it's the act, and I'm sorry, this is the definition of vision, the act of power of imagination. So vision, imagination are intricately intertwined. You're going to create, you're either going to create negative or you're going to create positive. And most of the time we're creating negative about ourselves because our self-talk is usually quite negative. If left unchecked. How do you check self-talk so it's not... Stop it from cycling into negativity. Pay attention to what you're thinking. Pay attention to what you're thinking and go, then when you recognize something negative, what do you do? You stop. You stop. You reframe into positive. Yeah. Give me an example, Carol. Um, I'm not good enough. I'm not um, good enough. Wait a minute, I am I am good enough. That's the reframe, right? Yeah. You take an I am not good enough and you reframe, wait a minute, I am good enough. Yes, yes, yes. And I do that not out of my own sense of self-worth, but out of what? God's sense of self-worth for me. I can reframe a negative statement every time to positive when I go back to what God says about me. You can do the same thing. And you got something you want to say? Well, something I just learned this morning. Um, if you're having difficulty going from I'm not good enough to I am good enough, because your heart is still going, uh-uh, uh-uh, you still got that tilt-tilt going on, you can... Ask, you can put it into a question. How did I <clears throat> how did I become good enough? And that causes your brain to change. Mm. And then it will it, it'll get you there. Yeah, that's good. So by by framing it as a question, it sort of breaks that runaway thought process and makes you stop. That, that's what you're saying, it right? It causes your brain to, to answer the question, how did I get good enough? Yeah. Oh, God made me that way. It, that's excellent. And then it becomes that heart. Heart-brain coherence, coherence. Which we'll talk about probably when I get back from vacation. But Psalm 8.6 says that, um, that God ordained him to govern the works of your hands the nurture of the offspring of your divine imagination. You placed everything on earth between his feet. So there's this divine imagination 
which is always, 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 always designed to move you towards goodness, love, and kindness. Mm -hmm. Always. And it says that Jesus nurtures the offspring of our divine imagination. So when God drops something in vision into our imagination, God nurtures it. Remember, go back to a few weeks ago, we watched that Chris Valentin uh, video and God inspired him, much to his chagrin, to start a parts store, to open a parts store. No knowledge of how to do it. No capital investment to be able to do it. No desire initially to do it. But yet God dropped it in there and he went, okay, I know this is God, so I'm going to I'm going to at least be open to it. And he went back to God with a question. I don't have any money. How do I do this? And God says, you don't need any money. And then there's this refinement process between hiring people, getting a building, getting inventory, and how God did that with no capital investment. I just, I mean, that fascinates me. So it tells me that even though he was dragging his feet about moving towards the vision and seeing it completed, he's dragging his feet. And yet God, because God is the one who nurtures the divine imagination within us, nurtures the desires within us, showed him how to do it. I don't know about you, but I think that's pretty cool. And I could go into Yogi Bear mode, but I won't. <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, and one of the things that we get in terms of this concept of imagination, If you go back to early scripture where it talks about, you know, the world was sort of in chaos, everything, creation was in chaos, and the Holy Spirit was hovering over the, you know, the deep, hovering over things. And it says, the this is Psalm 33, 6, the unfathomable cosmos came into being at the word of the eternal's imagination, a solitary voice in endless darkness. So bring that into our lives. We could be sitting in a moment where everything just seems so ugly, so dark, so impossible. And suddenly a divine spark ignites imagination. And when it ignites imagination, it begins to nurture it within us. And it changes our darkness into light. It changes our pessimism into optimism. It changes our, um, like Chris Valentin started out, you know, just, you know, not wanting to go with the program to I'm going with the program, so to speak. And it's something, and so it starts within, but, and our role is to, as that light, that inspiration begins to uptick in our consciousness is to embrace that. Remember when we first started down this road of grace? It was like, I don't know. 
I just don't know. It's too good to be true. I remember Carol sitting for hours going back over the scriptures that Joseph Prince would go, this, he would use these and she'd go look them up and go, oh my golly, that's right there. You know, and, and so slowly that shift came from pessimism to maybe even unbelief at that moment to optimism to belief. And things were going on because every time she would read a scripture, it would reinforce that vision of moving into grace and it would reinforce with a vision of it's not only possible, but it's real. And here we are a few years later and we're here. <laughs> and so imagination, and if you listen to Malcolm, he uh, one of the things he does is he went back to Isaiah 26.3. Anybody remember what Isaiah 26.3 says? Well, I'll read it to you out of the voice translation. You will keep the peace. You will keep the peace, a perfect peace, for all who you tr who trust in you, and for those who dedicate their hearts and minds to you. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you. Greg, what do you got? You got young Zoom? I'm not there yet. Okay. For those who dedicate their hearts and minds to you. So imagination, the, the same root word in the Hebrew for imagination, what I do with my pen, is also translated minds. See, we don't really understand in the intricacy of how we've been created. There's this, you know, Carol mentioned earlier, there's this heart-mind coherence that they've discovered where your heart Physical art actually has memories. It actually has its own memories. Thus, when you transplant a heart into someone, sometimes they those memories become part of their consciousness. It's been documented. It's been documented. Um, but the, the memories of our heart, the memories of our brain, the cooperation between the two creates a field, an energy field, an electrical field that somehow plays into then framing things in our thoughts, framing things in our imagination. So did somebody else come up with a different one from the, other than the voice? Young says, an imagination supported thou fortifiest peace. Yeah. Peace, for in thee it is confident. Yeah. So imagination, peace. Let me pick on someone. Hi, Sharon. Oh, no. Sharon, what's peace look like? Heaven. Heaven. And how did you come to that? Explain how you came to that conclusion. For one thing, the, the video that was playing this morning, Holy Spirit River. Okay. Just watching that. Was yeah, which is nice. So you had you had a you had a music, song, visualization that produced an image of peace inside of you and a sense of peace inside of you. That's right. Wow. And he didn't even come here looking for that. Nope. And it jumped up. He didn't see it coming. It jumped up and got you. Let's see. And that's how this works sometimes. But at the same time, you know, again, I'm going to use the sign. 
uh, that we put up about six weeks ago. This facility is a health and wholeness zone, enter at your own risk. I have been inspired to see this place as a place where people are healthy and whole. And when and that's part of that was an inspiration. And the, the imagination is now I just see everybody whole. And I'm in great gratitude for everybody's wholeness. And I'm in great gratitude for the life force of God that permeates this place. The Zoe life, as it's called, it, it permeates this place. And when you come in, you're breathing it. See, now that's my imagination. I see everybody who takes a breath breathing in Zoe life. Experiencing wholeness of, and fullness of life. Now, it doesn't matter if in the moment, in the individual moment of now, there's an ache or a pain. The overall is I see the Zoe overcoming the ache and pain and people just going, hallelujah. Now, part of that, what I just said, is also the process of meditation. Because meditation is my active participation with the creative impact of that. We're co-creators. Linda. Well, you asked what peace was, and um, my first thought about that was it's a calmness. Yes. Peace is calmness. There's not the angst, anxiety, the whatever going on inside of you. And then I heard God say to me, that's just not quite enough. Your peace, your calmness is a direct communication and connection with him. Mm. It is not separate from, because you cannot have that peace unless you tap into the relationship that you have with him, because the scripture says you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. So that peace and that calmness are a result of your relationship with him. Yes. Even if you recognize that or not. Yes. And so when you meditate on that, what, what was just revealed, what's going to happen as you let that roll over in your, in your mind, your heart? Well, I'm going to experience more peace. Yes. 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 I want to play the third one of that grouping. I'm going to play a nine minute. Carol's got to go find it. You got it. Oh, good for you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. How many of you have ever become so anxious over something, it kept you up at night, and you just had that thing going through your brain all night long, and you couldn't sleep? Put your hands up. All right. All right. So we know that we know how to meditate. So now we just have to change the subject matter. All right. This passage of Scripture gives us, like, how many times does he have to say it? Be strong. Be courageous. Be very strong. Be very courageous. Did you hear me? I said, be strong. 
Be courageous. Don't be dismayed. Don't be fearful. Don't become anxious. He gives all these commands in there, but not one time does he tell you how. He just says, be strong, very very courageous. And then he says, you're going to make your own way prosperous. You're going to make your own way successful. And then he gives one little sliver, extremely profound sliver of advice, not advice, a command, a sliver of instruction that makes everything else in the verses possible. He says, but you shall meditate on this word day and night. I think, I think it, this is uh, biblical meditation is probably the most neglected area of Christian discipline in the body of Christ in our country. There's Western meditation, which is intellectual. There's Eastern meditation, which is to empty your mind. And there's biblical meditation that is unlike either of those two. I want to read to you the definition of this word meditation. By the way, if you're taking notes, I, I don't know if we'll get to it or not. But the first psalm, Psalms number one, is a parallel passage to Joshua chapter one. It runs very, very similar themes, all right? So let me read this definition to you. It means to reflect, to moan, to mutter, to ponder, to make a quiet sound such as sighing, to meditate or contemplate something as one repeats the words. It represents something quite unlike the English meditation, which may be a mental exercise only. In Hebrew thought, to meditate upon the scriptures is to quietly repeat them in a soft droning sound while utterly abandoning outside distractions. From this tradition comes a specialized type of Jewish prayer called davening, that is reciting texts, praying intense prayers, or getting lost in communion with God while bowing or rocking back and forth. If you've seen people at the wailing wall, this rocking, that is actually a physical response to biblical meditation. It is repeating a matter, which is what you do in biblical meditation, meditation, all right? So rocking back and forth. Evidently, this dynamic form of meditation prayer goes back to David's time, thus called davening. This is uh, from Dick Mills in his, uh, his word study uh, uh, book. Often what we do is we'll read a, we read scripture, uh, we say amen to what we read, we're encouraged by what we read, but the Lord has actually given us instruction that in, in many ways determines the measure of our success, our impact, our prosperity. And again, I don't mind talking about money in this context, but it's not my focus today at all. It's, it's not about, you know, boats and planes and mansions. It's about being as wealthy as Bill Gates is on the outside, you and me being that wealthy on the inside. 
is that there's that kind of an abundance here that I have to, I have to spend my life trying to figure out how to give all this encouragement away because I've got so much. It's that place of prosperity. Is it possible that God would bless you more on the inside than somebody like a Bill Gates or some of these others are blessed on the outside? Yes, it's possible because we tap into an eternal unlimited kingdom. And it is the design of the Lord that we actually enter into places of personal victory that are equal to the kinds of victories that we see uh, by great corporations, etc. All right. So back to the point is that the Lord would cause you and me to be a people that have triumphed in our personal journey with the Lord to such an extent that there are conquests in the same way that there'd be conquest in military, conquest in business, conquest in, in other parts of life, uh, sports, etc. Instead, what he's saying is he's directly, directly tying it to this one tiny little sliver of insight and command. And that is to meditate. Even where he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. That's actually one of the expressions of meditation. It is the fact that there, there is just, a, I'm not saying you have to rock, but I, but I want to illustrate. It's the fact that there is this repeating, God spoke a word to me. Let's just take, I remember times I've been in real a difficult uh, place financially and I needed a miracle breakthrough. And I found this verse in uh, Psalms 127. In fact, for months now, I've been reading Psalms 127 to 128 every day because they are family psalms, and I love to pray them over my household. So let's go back to this verse. So he says, he, he provides for his beloved even while he sleeps. So I will take this verse in a time of personal, great personal need, and, I'll, and I will just pray and say, God, you said in your word that you provide for me even while I'm sleeping. God, I celebrate the fact that I, I do work hard for you, and I give that to you, but your work for me is far greater than my work for myself. You have unlimited resources. You have unlimited resources. You provide for me out of the riches of your glory, which is vast and uncontainable in any vessel. God, I thank you that your abundance pours towards me, that you've actually assigned a measure of breakthrough into my life, my family, and my family line. God, I confess, I declare, I sing before you. You provide for me even while I sleep. What is there? There's just this repeated prayer. It's not just this ritual or this religious routine. What's happening is my interaction with what God has said is now becoming a part of the fabric of my being. Lance Wall now would say, it's become cellular in us. It's, it, it, it becomes a, uh, something that is so much a part of us that, that it is woven into our actual personality and it affects how we think, it affects how we live. It's not a two-minute reciting of a verse. It's a lifetime of engagement with that which God has said. Now, the scriptures tell us, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. God is saying, you're alive because I talk. <laughs> you're alive because I talk. Everything about you thrives because I have spoken. Everything about you thrives because I have spoken. I have deposited through word. I have transferred from my world to yours through a decree. And when we take that word seriously and prayerfully consider, put it on, I've done this, put it on a three by five card, stick it on the dashboard of my car if I have a distance to drive and I just have that to look at, just to refresh my mind. I maybe can quote it without the card, but I look at it anyway because I want everything about me. I speak it because I want my ears to hear it. I see it with my eyes because I want my eyes to see it. I, I 
speak with my mouth because I want to participate with God in saying what he is saying. If you want to, Jesus only said what his father says. If you want to learn to say what the father is saying, then start saying what he has said. Talked about an inspiration when he was talking about himself. He had a verse that inspired him that God was, was providing everything else that he needed for himself. He began to see that in that verse. And then he began to meditate on it. And it's not like meditating on commands of obedience, but it's meditating on inspirations that are applicable to us that come out of those scriptures. And I'm not talking just scriptures. I picked that one because it it is a, a form of you know, meditating on scripture, but it, that same concept applies in other areas of our life. When God inspires us about something like a Chris Valentin to start an auto parts store, there's a, a, a series or a chain of reactions that begin to occur in us as we began to focus intentionally there. And it's in that place of intentional focus then that as Malcolm Smith talked about, and as, as, as even some of the guys uh, that we've looked at in the past that are outside of the church, but are in quantum physics and quantum meditation, is there's something wells up in terms of, he had a gratitude, there was, but things grow up or well up emotionally as we're meditating on that inspiration, that imagination, and something just wells up, and we get excited about it. We feel it. That's that whole process of uh, that we're now finding out as part of quantum physics, quantum mechanics. But God already had it in the book before man discovered it. And so, but if you are up against something in your life that you don't seem to be able to connect with, with or you want to change, God, I, I, need a, I need a vision of change. And for, for every one of us, grace became a huge vision of change for us as we began to realize who we are in Christ, how we're in union and oneness with the triune God, how everything that, uh, that pertains to life and godliness is already in us, and so if I'm sitting here struggling about something, God, I don't have enough money for the car to put gas in the car today. And then I'm reminded everything that pertains to life and godliness is already here. And I start going, God, you said everything that pertains to life and godliness is already here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I see my gas tank filled. And I'll even go one better. Back in the 30s, there were traveling in the 1930s, there were traveling evangelists that traveled for a couple of years and never had to put a drop of gasoline in their car, and their fuel gauge stayed right at the same spot because of divine intervention in, in, in their imagining that all of the gas they needed to go from here to here was already there. Linda? Well, and when you're talking about uh, riches and money and physical monetary things, um, that what I got out of that was he said, I'm, I'm so rich on the inside and that richness isn't money. I mean, I don't have money pouring out of right. my mouth when I speak, but I'm so rich on the inside because of my relationship with him that I have to give it away to others. And, and when we can focus our attention on the richness within us, 
all of the other can come into being. Yes. Yes. I thought that was pretty That's profound. Good. And it becomes a fabric. So it becomes yeah. a fabric of my being. Yeah. So my being is woven with his in the richness that he provides for me and is within yeah. me. Yeah. And therefore, I can give that up. And that's back to Greg's comment earlier about one of the imaginations he leading people to an awareness and awakening to Christ. And that comes out, it pours out of you already. It's so so rich in you that you can see that going into others. You can see walking into a room and the temperature changing in a spiritual realm. You can walk into the room and realize, hey, there are people here that just need to be blessed, and I'm just going to be an instrument of blessing today. And, and let that go from there. So, so meditation is powerful. And it's something that when I was growing up in the church, you used the word meditation and you were like, because immediately the connotation went to Eastern meditation of emptying your mind. But yet, what do you do with the fact that that word shows up multiple times in, in the scriptures, right? You can't just totally ignore it, but you bring it back into the right process or the right perspective. And so, you know, Bill gave a little bit of a definition out of scripture. Here, here's, here's the Hebrew root word for meditation. It's hagah. It means, as he said, to moan, to utter, to speak, to muse, to growl to devise, declare, to make a sound. And do you remember back when we were doing the um, the Hebraic, uh, some of the Hebraic scriptures, looking at looking, or not the Hebraic, the Aramaic scriptures of Jesus? And one of the things was realizing that the interaction with scripture was this sound, this intuitive, this really personal, uh, connection to God, as Linda was just talking about, and that was part of the Aramaic lifestyle of, of of that time. Was everything was about God, and so the you know, rocking was not uncommon. When you you know you spoke the name of, of Yahweh, you know it was yeah. Wait, that's a form of meditation. Wait. Form of meditation that they were doing, and they knew it was a form of meditation. They were focused on him every with every breath that they were taking. They knew that, and so there's a power to work to this whole union and oneness with God that it's about us giving out. But right now we're in a season of training to understand that, realizing that everything you. There's things inside of you that our society needs. There's things inside of you people need to experience. But we we have been so dissuaded from that perspective for way too long. And as we're moving through this life of understanding grace and union and oneness, there becomes a time when we get to make a choice where I'm, how I'm going to respond. And part of that is what you're going to talk about is the concept of expectations is 
If if my expectation is only negative, what am I going to get? Only going to get negative. So I'm not going to steal Greg's thunder because I don't know what his thunder is yet, but it's rumbling. It's all of that. Okay. So I will say this, that imagination functions within what's called the kingdom of God that's within us. It's, it's a basic component of the kingdom. The kingdom of God is, is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, right? And every time I connect in a way with God that expresses peace and joy, there should be a level of excitement. When I, when I have something come into my mind that God has connected to me, like Linda said, out of relationship, then there should there's something should like leap inside of me. And that should begin that process of connecting my heart, my brain, and every aspect of my being, my thoughts, into bringing that into reality. Now, I'm still on a, a journey of learning this myself. I don't have it all down. But I keep cycling back here uh, because there's something about it. So realizing that kingdom functions or, or imagination functions within the reality of the kingdom reign of God within us and that imagination thrives, thrives in the realm of intentionality. Like I said, you will create, you will imagine, you will bring things into, into focus in the negative unless you realize from an intentionality perspective, that's not who I am and that's not what I'm called to create. But we go on autopilot. We go on autopilot. And when we go on autopilot, my imagine, when I go on autopilot, my imagination can spiral into some worst case scenarios about life. Mm -hmm. But when I'm focused on my image that, uh, and likeness to God, when I'm focused on how awesome God has done in, things in my life in terms of changing my thoughts, changing my being, changing my perspective, and even changing some outcomes in the natural on things, when I stay there in that place of gratitude, now imagination functions at a really higher, more beneficial place. And so that's really what's pretty good about all that. Um, let me see. I'm not sure if I want to go any further today. Let me double check a couple of things here. Malcolm talks about imagination is the place where you and the Holy Spirit connect. That's that's where you're in total union and oneness. And he talks about imagination as your your imagination as the playground of the Holy Spirit. Now I can I I can when I go there I can have a sudden inspiration of the Holy Spirit on a playground, having fun. And when I begin to meditate on how, how the Holy Spirit is having fun on the playground of my imagination, watch out! Right, it's going to be great. So, what else did he say? And he, Malcolm does talk about the Scripture is a good place. So form imagination in your when you're first becoming consciously aware of the power of it, letting scripture help formulate that in you so that you're you're framing an imagination capacity that's not running wild. Because you always want it to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so I I just encourage you to begin to meditate on those things. Probably will revisit meditation. And I know. I know Muriel's not with us today, but 
but it, it's been months ago she posed the question of what you know what is meditation you know and that's one of the reasons we're visiting it is because it's a great question what does it mean to meditate what does it mean to see things differently and expect a different result the old classic definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result well if you want a different result then i guess you have to begin to imagine how do you get there holy spirit how do i get a different result than what i'm accustomed to and begin to let that shine forth in our lives i think i think we're being positioned by god right now to have massive impact in, in our world i think we're positioned by god because we have come to that place where we're at peace with grace we're at peace with union and oneness we're at peace with with the things that we've been studying for the last seven years in terms of our freedom and how we don't have to earn righteousness, that it's already there. All of those things have brought us to the place now where we can, you know, those have been so infused in us that we can now go, okay, what's next? Because you know he's not going to leave you stagnant. He's not going to leave you sitting in one spot, but it's what's next. And as you get an inspiration, I mean, I will I will use Jehu Ministries as an example. A week and a half ago, we sat down on a Wednesday and started praying, and I started getting some downloads, and the team started getting some downloads of what's next for Jehu Ministries, and those weren't things even on my radar screen that morning. Just like the things that are on the back of this board here that God put in there about eight weeks ago now weren't even on my radar screen. He suddenly sneaks up on you and goes, what about this? Have you considered this? And then that just triggers your imagination. What does that look like? And you begin with the Holy Spirit just framing what that looks like. And then as you begin to meditate on it, it fills in inside the frame, just like building a house. I just think that's so cool. All right, what are you guys hearing today? I think I've talked enough. What are you getting out of this? Starting with so Sharon. I get in bad mood sometimes. And I try to imagine the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus and try to help me get in a different frame of mind and imagine different things. And it's helpful. Good. Good. So you're all practicing this. Yeah, that's what I get out of it. Excellent. Let's go to the room. Let's go over to Linda first if she wants to. I've already talked a lot. Rich on the inside, I, that, that was very powerful. Um, I, I know that I, I strive to be, uh, just as he is, so am I. I strive to be that. But I think this adds a new dimension to it that I'm so rich on the inside because of him and who he is inside of me. But that gives a new dimension to what I can give to others. Nice. Good. Great. And come next week. Come next week. All right. <laughs> Gary or Sharon or both. It's just because you, I think you was a guy asking the question, what do you want? Mm -hmm. What what do you want? What do you want? Yeah. And then you put that in, in the form of imagination and meditation along the way. And 
It's amazing the co-creation that's in us occurs when you meditate on that. Yes. Good. Good. Sure. I realize I need to learn how to turn off things going on around me mm. to enter in because that all gets my attention and yeah, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So, up ashore, that's a good prayer. And we expect that it, it's done. Mm. So I come back in two weeks. You can give us a report. Marilyn or Daryl, anything you want to say? I like to trust that his promises that are in the Bible. Good. And um, gives me peace. Good. Good. He is the author of peace. Daryl, mm-hmm. so, you got anything you want to add? We either got to be the true, true, or the end. Think I can. I think I can. No, I can. And then we got a note from Stuart here. I really connected with what Carol said about asking, why am I? Asking the question puts a different part of the brain in use. Yes. Yes. Good. Good. You can even begin to ask, why am I so good at meditating? Yeah. It changes, change that. Oh, I have trouble meditating. No, how, how did I get to be so good at this? Yeah, there you go. That's putting the imagination in place. Yeah. Anything else you want to add? All right. So I'm just going to encourage you all to begin just, just going back over the last few weeks because there's there's something that God has put in each side of uh, or inside of each one of you. Some of it's for collectiveness of our, uh, as a group, some of it is individual. But it's all good, and it's all designed to give us a greater measure of peace and joy and a relaxation into the relationship that we have. And then that just naturally flows out. It naturally flows out and impacts our our around us, people around us. So with that, I'm going to just say thanks for being here today. Father, we thank you for today. We just know that we know that we know that your goodness and kindness is is on display in our life. And that as we even ponder this, we know that your goodness is something that we see in the land of the living. And we, we even I am beginning to meditate on what that looks like, Lord. So I thank you for encouraging us. I thank you for uh, the fact that we can just be in your presence and talk. And I just commend you for the love that you share with all of us. The intensity of that love, the fullness of that love, the joy and peace that comes in that. Amen. 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 All right. Thank you, Lord.